gets it, and this game is underway with a bang. This is where the lacrosse area gathers to talk Wisconsin sports. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Join in by phone or text at 796-2558. Now, here's Grant Bills. Hope you had an amazing weekend. Welcome back. Hope your week is off to a good start. I don't mean to sound like a broken record. I kind of said the same thing last Monday, but I'm in an amazing mood. I feel great. I feel rested. I feel healthy. And we're not going to talk about coronavirus today, but hopefully that doesn't change. It is amazing what a sunny, warm weekend will do, isn't it? After a couple of months of being in the dark, being in the cold, just getting outside. Once again this weekend, I tried to spend some time down by the river, up by the bluff, just taking in the beautiful scenery and everything that makes lacrosse so awesome. And people were outside being active, smiling, enjoying life, and not just wanting to go to bed, which is how I feel a lot of December, January, February. It was an awesome weekend, a beautiful weekend, and the sports that were on this weekend kind of matched the mood of springtime. Right, College basketball is starting to get real and, and, and it's full of excitement because we know that something big is coming. March Madness, the NCAA tournament is coming, much like we know sunshine and summer is coming. The NBA regular season is getting real because we know the playoffs are coming. There's anticipation. It's building. And like high school playoff basketball is just awesome especially in this area, and that got underway. I know the girls have been going for a little bit now. The guys got started this last week, and we're all excited for the state tournament. There's a lot of anticipation, and the sports kind of matched the mood this weekend, right? We had some 60 degrees, starting to get excited for spring and summer. Well, the NBA playoffs are coming up. College basketball tournament is coming up, and the state tournament for high school basketball coming up as well. I I just think it's kind of funny that the sports match the mood uh, of of the weather and and the feel that you got this weekend, man, it was it was beautiful. I hope you had a great weekend. We are going to talk sports today. We're not just going to small talk about the weather. My name is Grant Bills. I am your host. This is the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. We're going to talk a lot of hoops today, but we're going to cover all of our bases to use a a baseball analogy to to describe basketball. There was a lot going on this weekend, and I want to start all the way back on Friday night with Onalaska and Holman. Now, I covered a girls' basketball game on Thursday with Drew Kelly, then went on on Friday to see Onalaska and Holman. Look, this is no disrespect to Holman. I actually thought they played really, really well. Onalaska is just that friggin' good. But what I noticed in the first half, and and both speaking about Holman and about Onalaska, two of our area schools that we cover routinely, both of those defenses were unreal. And if you like college basketball, because people are flying around, jumping on the floor, closing out, going for steals, going for every rebound, then that Onalaska-Holman game, you were in heaven because there weren't there wasn't really a whole lot of offense in the first half at all. Now, Onalaska got going and the, and the shots started falling. Onalaska's defense never wavered. Holman, I think, got worn down a little bit just because Onalaska is so good. But those teams were flying around. And look, Holman, that's the number one team in the state right there. And I know Central's close, and we'll talk about Central today as well, but Onalaska-Holman, that was an incredible game on Friday. I know Onalaska won going away, and there were some great individual performances. Terrell Stutley is always doing his thing. Gavin McGrath just really has to be present because he's seven feet tall, and Carson Ahrens is is heating up at the right time, and we're going to talk more about Carson Ahrens and the Onalaska Hilltoppers coming up in about a half hour and about 40 minutes. Moving on to Saturday, then Drew and I went to cover Central and New Richmond. And I said towards the end of the regular season that I had a concern here and there about Central because Johnny Davis was amazing. But after that, right, after your best move, what was next, right? Well, Jordan Davis looked 
really good on Saturday. And Terrence Thompson in the second half just became unhinged. And I saw some frustration with Terrence Thompson in the first half. And there was nothing you could really do about it. Like, Terrence Thompson was just getting unlucky. Like, the action and the ball was working away from him. He just wasn't getting lucky. He he was he had good matchups. They just couldn't get him the ball. And the plays just weren't working out. And, and, and the shots that he did take were right there. They just rolled out. Well, then in the second half, he he kind of went unconscious. He started hitting threes. He started playing tremendous in the paint. The ball started falling. He started getting to the free throw line a little bit. Started getting the whistle. Like, getting getting to see Terrence Thompson kind of get over the hump of frustration that you saw in the first half in the playoffs gets me really, really excited about Central moving forward because Johnny Davis has never wavered this year. Jordan Davis has been pretty good. Past that, what has Central been able to offer? And Terrence Thompson is a great basketball player, but sometimes I feel like they forget about him or, or they lose focus, and, and he kind of gets lost out there. Saturday, it was really, really good to see Terrence Thompson by all accounts and by everything I hear, just one of the hardest workers you know. All he wants to do is watch basketball and learn about basketball and work on basketball. And it was really, really cool, especially in a night where Jordan Davis and Johnny Davis had foul trouble, to see Terrence Thompson kind of get in his groove and play his game. So that was really fun to watch. And look, I, I, I know I had to throw credit to Holman as well, especially because they're an area school and I know how good of defense they played and how great they were on, on Friday night. New Richmond, they can bang. Like, they were hitting threes. They were hitting shots that I have never seen high school teams make routinely, right? At least at the level of New Richmond, Central, and Alaska. They were hoisting up threes, and they were all going, and it didn't matter because Central was just better, and Central played better even on a night where Johnny was in foul trouble and Jordan in foul trouble, and Terrence Thompson finally found his stroke, and that was really cool to see. So local basketball was really great this weekend. We'll get back to that later on in the show because one of the biggest matchups, man, in the last couple of years in high school basketball is going down this Thursday and I'll give you some details. Of course, I'm talking about on Alaska Central. We are blessed and lucky enough to have a third matchup. So I'm going to talk about that coming up later on in the hour. And we'll get to Bucks and Badgers. The Badgers had a great week. The Badgers beat Indiana. And all they had to do was win. And they were guaranteed at least a share of the Big Ten Conference title. So the Badgers are Big Ten champs, regular season champs, after winning, well, just winning out to end the season. Right after that Minnesota loss, they lost by 18 to Minnesota, and then they won eight in a row to finish the season, and everyone rallied around Greg Garden. It was a great story, and that came to a head on Saturday when they clinched the Big Ten title, albeit a three-way tie. I don't think that takes away from it at all. The the dogfight that the Big Ten was this year, that's really something to be proud of. So I want to talk about Wisconsin in a few minutes. We're also going to talk about the Bucs. They had a, a, a tumultuous weekend. I think that's probably the best way to put it, losing to LeBron and the Lakers in L.A. on Friday, and then... One of the weirdest NBA games I've ever seen in Phoenix yesterday. I, I don't really want to spend a lot of time on that, but we are going to talk Bucks coming up at 5.30. We're going to talk Badgers coming up next. I think one of the most interesting games of the weekend did not include a Wisconsin team, and that was Clippers-Lakers yesterday. Now, this was the game that was supposed to be played a few weeks ago, but with the death of Kobe Bryant, the game was rescheduled, and understandably so. The atmosphere felt like a playoff game. The crowd felt like a playoff crowd, and the effort that was being put forth by LeBron, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, Anthony Davis, it felt like a playoff game. And in an 82-game regular season, you don't get a lot of those. And that's what's exciting about this time of year is because there's so many good primetime matchups, especially on Saturday night, Sunday afternoon. Lakers-Clippers is exactly that. There's a couple things I don't understand, and if you watch this game, I'm sure you'll agree. Well, at least if you have any sense, you will agree. Paul George had 29 points through three quarters, and he was looking like... MVP Paul George from last year before he got hurt. And he was looking like Paul George on the Indiana Pacers back when he was rivaling LeBron for one of the best players in the world. He had 29 points through three quarters and he only got two shots in the fourth quarter. Two shots. Like that's common sense. The dude's balling, you get him the ball. 
Instead, for the Clippers, who ended up losing, the Lakers won 112-103, I think a big part because they didn't go back to Paul George. Marcus Morris, in the meantime, uh, yeah, he got his shots up, unlike the MVP caliber player Paul George. Marcus Morris, who I've heard a couple of times on our station, Jim Rome just blabbing about how getting Marcus Morris made the Clippers the prohibitive title favorites. I never understood it because Paul George had 29, and yet Marcus Morris is still hoisting the ball up because Marcus Morris loves him some Marcus Morris. He was 0 of 9 yesterday. He took seven threes, didn't make a single one, and played 29 minutes. Meanwhile, Paul George couldn't get the ball in the fourth quarter, and the Lakers ended up winning, going away. They won by nine. What the hell, Marcus? Marcus Morris, he's just a pain in the he's just a pain in the butt. I didn't like him when he was on the Celtics. I don't like him now. And that whole Jim Rome take about how, oh, getting, because Marcus Morris brings toughness. Yeah, well, he also brings 0 of 9 up from the field and 0 of 7 from beyond the three-point line. So, yeah, that was the reason the, the Clippers, or a big reason the Clippers ended up falling yesterday. In, in terms of the Lakers, man, LeBron is good. Anthony Davis is good. And I saw a team yesterday that can win a lot of different ways. In today's NBA, it's about three-point shots, right? A team wins, you assume they just shot the three ball really good. And if a team loses, you assume, well, the shot just wasn't falling. Well, yesterday, that wasn't really the case. And that is the case with the Lakers more often than not. The Lakers shot 28% from three. They weren't great. Now, the Clippers weren't great either, but the Clippers lost. The Lakers can beat you a couple different ways. They don't need to shoot great from three. It certainly helps, but they don't need to. I saw yesterday a team that can win lots of different ways. And I know everybody's talking about LeBron today, but probably the biggest factor in that game yesterday and the ultimate deciding factor wasn't LeBron. It was Avery Bradley who came out of nowhere for 24 points. 24 points. He had six threes. Yeah, I think that was the deciding factor. A lot of people, to to spin this back to Wisconsin sports, a lot of people made this game about LeBron and his MVP candidacy. And LeBron has been on a great run, and the Lakers have been on a great one uh, for about the last week or so. And and I take nothing away from that run that the Lakers are on and and what the Lakers are doing. What I don't get is is how people made yesterday an MVP talk with LeBron. I, I think I was listening to the Bill Simmons podcast earlier today. And Ryan Rossillo, his guest, straight up asked Bill Simmons. He's like, who would you vote for right now with MVP? And Bill Simmons said, who cares? There's a quarter of the season left. There's almost 20 games left, right? And I'm like, damn, actually some common sense. Actually some common sense. And I hate turning on the TV or turning on the radio today and people saying, the MVP is this person. The MVP is this person. Well, actually, there's a quarter of the season left. So announcing whether it's Giannis, in case of the Bucks, or LeBron, in the case of the Lakers, it's, it, it's meaningless. You shouldn't be deciding right now. Imagine deciding who the president is months before the election. Hillary Clinton would be in office right now if that was the case, right? It doesn't make sense to announce who you're voting for when a quarter of the season is left. A quarter of the season. I've talked a lot about the MVP in the last week, and I don't really want to spend it. In fact, this is the only time we're going to spend on it today before we take a break. But I have talked a lot about it. And to give LeBron credit, he's had a great two weeks. A great two weeks. So I guess here's what I'm interested in. Uh, let's take a counter in terms of NBP favorites. So the first month of the season went to Harden. So October was to Harden, October. And then let's see, November, December, January, February, four months. Let me check my calendar here. Yeah, that's four months. They went to LeBron, or not LeBron, but Giannis. And then the last two weeks have gone to LeBron. So I don't know. LeBron's playing great. And everybody wants to make this about LeBron, but Harden had a month. LeBron's had two weeks. Giannis was the dominant player for four months. I think the recency bias is real, and I think we need to wait until the end of the season to announce whoever is the MVP because there's a quarter of the season left. 
which is why we are now done talking about the MVP. Thank you very much for coming to my TED Talk. Just wait. There's a lot of good basketball yet to be played. A lot of good games. Speaking of great games and great basketball, I don't know if anybody, anybody saw the Wisconsin Badgers winning a Big Ten title this year, especially how they started and, and some of the adversity they had to face in the middle of the regular season. Well, it's a pretty cool moment. It's a pretty cool weekend. It's a pretty cool time to be a Badger fan because they did the improbable. They ended the regular season on Saturday by beating Indiana at Assembly Hall in Bloomington to take control or take control, I guess, take a share of the Big Ten regular season title. Let's talk about that and the improbable run that the Badgers just wrapped up. Coming up next, the Wisco Sports Show rolls on here on WKTY. Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. Thanks for hanging out. My name is Grant Bills. I am your host. You can always, always share your thoughts. Shoot me a text, 608-796-2558. That's the five-star telecom talk and text line. We're talking a lot of hoops today. It's an exciting time. And I think the sports going on right now, it kind of matches what we had for weather this weekend, right? The, the sun was shining. We're getting excited for what is to come. Spring is going to continue to get warmer. We're going to actually, like, enjoy being alive and being outside we're looking forward to what is to come and we got a taste of that this weekend just like in sports the nba playoffs march madness the high school state tournament all coming up we're excited about it and i think that kind of matched the the vibe the mood (laughs) that was in lacrosse 60 and sunny yesterday no no complaints for me we're talking a lot of hoops today and it's a very exciting time to be a hoops fan whether it's college NBA, high school, we're going to cover it all. I want to start with the Badgers because I think they're the story of the day. They're the story of the weekend. The Badgers have been on a tear, and we've been talking about it, and and the improbable success and overcoming of adversity, especially from Coach Greg Gard and this team. You you think of all they've went through this year. From the very beginning, before the season even started with Howard Moore and his family, and I know they've been wearing the T-shirt, so you're constantly reminded of that. But the Badgers have been on this great run, and they completed eight in a row on Saturday to end the season. But while this run was going on, I was thinking, and maybe you were thinking as well, yeah, this is great, this is fun, but what does it mean? Because we got the Bucs chasing an NBA championship right now, and Giannis chasing an MVP, and yeah, this Badgers team, yeah, they're winning, and this is exciting and, and, and cool, but what does it mean? Well, they actually, like... You know, you say, if you like something, put a ring on it. They actually kind of put a ring on it on Saturday. They made it worth everyone's while. It it was no longer just a cute, feel-good eight-game win streak. But now they got some hardware. Big Ten champs. And I know they're splitting it with a couple other teams. But the dogfight that was the Big Ten this year, I mean, whoever came out on top should absolutely be proud. They should be proud every year because the Big Ten is a tremendous athletic conference. And there's always, always competitive teams. No matter if Wisconsin is down or Michigan State is down or Michigan is down, it's always going to be a battle to try to go into the Breslin Center, the Chrysler Center, uh, the Kohl Center to try to win games. Even if those teams are down, there's never a cakewalk, especially on the road in the Big Ten. And this Big Ten title after winning eight straight, I, I couldn't have seen it coming. I told you last week I was shocked when I was like, wait, the Badgers are in, they're in second place? There was a couple, of we- a couple of weeks ago they were in seventh. And this Badger team keeps building on success and keeps winning and keeps taking uh, steps to improve every single game they play. Their first Big Ten title since 2015. And the last couple of years have been a pretty impressive progression for this program. And I know we're always going to judge it to 2014 and 15 when they were making Final Fours and they had multiple lottery players or NBA players on that team. And 
Frank Kaminsky and Sam Decker and an all-time great coach in Bo Ryan and a great role-player supporting cast. Josh Gosser, Zach Showalter, like guys who who careers are defined by their time at Wisconsin. And even Nigel Hayes and Bronson Koenig, who remains one of my favorite athletes I've ever watched, we're always going to compare Wisconsin basketball to those years, which is unfair. But if you go back to the beginning of the Greg Gard era, it started with a couple of nice tournament appearances, Sweet 16 appearances, and then they missed the tournament. And then last year, they get back to the tournament. They take another step in the right direction, and now they've taken another step by winning the Big Ten. And of course, they will no doubt be back in, in the dance in March Madness in the NCAA tournament again. So for the second straight year after missing two years ago. And this season's progression is, it's so Greg Gard. Because Greg Gard doesn't have the flair and the dramatism that Bo Ryan had. And he certainly doesn't have the name and facial face recognition that Bo Ryan had at the time. But all Greg Gard has done is just make it work. And I know two years ago they missed the conference tournament, but they they went down swinging to the final game in the Big Ten tournament against Michigan State on that Friday early morning, uh, early afternoon game. This progression is so Greg Gard. To start the season with a, a, a two deaths in the family of an assistant coach and, and injuries to both that coach and his son, and then a heart attack, so he has to be basically removed from the stresses of basketball, so you lose an assistant coach. That's before the season even starts. And then Micah Potter goes through eligibility issues. And look, knowing what we know now about Micah Potter and his impact on this team, and we're going to talk about that more coming up in a few minutes, imagine how helpful Micah Potter would have been at the time. And Greg Gard knew that, which is why he continued to went to bat. He went to bat over and over again in press conferences saying, man, this is ridiculous, and got animated, got mad, which is something I never see from Greg Gard. He fought through that. They caught, they fought through the, the transfer of Kobe King and the drama and the scrutiny that that brought on the Wisconsin program. And then Brad Davison gets suspended. Never lost a step. And then they lose to Minnesota by 18 points. Just a gamut, a gauntlet of challenges faced by Greg Gard and his players. They're running out of scholarship players. And then after that loss to the Gophers, they do nothing else but win eight straight. And yesterday was a great example, too, of overcoming adversity. Indiana played really well. And Assembly Hall was rowdy. You could tell they wanted to play spoiler. And I thought it was over. They were down nine points with about 10 minutes to play. And they made a little bit of a run, but then they got down seven with about six minutes to go. And I'm like, yeah, it's probably over. But but I, I, I kept paying attention, and, and the Badgers made it happen. And one of my favorite things about Greg Gard this season is his self-awareness. When they beat Michigan in Ann Arbor a couple of weeks ago, which is probably the most, it is the most impressive win of this win streak. Like, you, you, can, you can argue that Wisconsin hasn't beaten a ton of elite teams in their time, uh, winning these eight straight games, or at least that's what Minnesota or Iowa fans would love to tell you. But a- ever since that Michigan, that Michigan game was the impressive win. That was it. And after that game, Greg Gard was quoted. This is a quote, and I keep referencing this because I think it's brilliant. He said, 60 days ago, this wouldn't have been possible. We were ready to come into this environment, and it's a good road team, and close the game out on the road. And I think Greg Gard realizing that it's a really long season and there's growth that happens throughout the season and we get better and we improve and we learn lessons. And I love that self-awareness from Greg Gard saying, yeah, we weren't ready to do this a couple of weeks ago, but we've made improvements. We've learned, we've grown. And I think the, the, the adversity they face, whether it's been Micah Potter, Kobe King, Howard Moore, Brad Davison, it's just improved this team. And it's been another stepping stone for Greg Gard to kind of lead this team and improve this team over the course of the season, ultimately ending and winning eight straight games. And yesterday's game against Indiana was such a cool way to end the regular season 
Because every player had a moment or moments. Aleem Ford had 12 points. He was great, and I think he really capped off a regular season of improvement. We saw him get better, both rebounding and shooting. He was 3 of 5 from 3, and in the first half was a big reason why they were able to hang close because Indiana was shooting the lights out of the ball. They were playing so good offensively. And Aleem Ford was hitting these timely threes to keep the Badgers into it. Just keep them in the fight. Don't let Indiana pull away. Aleem Ford was a huge part of that in the first half, but also a big contributor in the second half as well. Nate Reavers was the leading scorer. He had 17. That was probably his best game of the season. And and I didn't I didn't research the numbers to see what his what his season high in points is. I don't know if it's greater or less than 17. I don't know what his best game of the season scoring wise is. But if any game I've watched, especially meaningful games, and Saturday was as meaningful as they come. Nate Reavers was your leading scorer with 17, but he hit a couple of threes. He showed that he's an improved rebounder as well. He had seven boards, which allowed him to fill in in moments when Micah Potter had to be on the bench with foul trouble. And they didn't really struggle in the rebounding department that much. Nate Reavers has made improvements there, as has Aleem Ford, which is something, once again, earlier this season, no. Aleem Ford and Nate Reavers were not the greatest rebounders in the world, but that's something they've built on as the season has continued, and that's what allowed them, when Micah Potter had foul trouble and went to the bench, they were still able to pull down some boards. Brad Davison, yesterday's game was a really interesting game, or Saturday's game. It was a really interesting game for the backcourt of of Demetric Trice and Brad Davison. Brad Davison can kind of be the the poor man's Eric Bledsoe. Like what Eric Bledsoe is to the Bucks, I think Brad Davison can be to the Badgers. He'll have a game where he goes off for 25, 28 points every every now and then. But Brad Davison's utility really comes when nothing's really happening and the offense is kind of stale. And you need a guy to hit one of those shots where you're like, what are you doing? No, 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 no. And then it goes in, you're like, okay, okay, yes, Brad Davison is that man. He had moments like that yesterday where he hit a step back three. Brad Davison shot well yesterday. He hit three of five threes. I think he was selective, and he, but, he, but he was confident at the same time. Brad Davison had some moments, including two huge free throws to ice that game. Didn't even look nervous. Didn't even break a sweat at the free throw line. Demetri Trice wasn't great yesterday. In fact, he was pretty poor. He only had four points. He did hit 1,000 career points with Wisconsin. He was two of 10. But he had a couple of shots late in that game. He was shut out in the first half, but his points came late, and everybody contributed, especially down the stretch, to that little run they had to make to overcome the deficit and eventually win. Micah Potter yesterday showed why his value is so high. And I think Greg Gard fought and fought and was angry that he wasn't eligible because I think Greg Gard, more than any of us, knew what kind of impact Micah Potter could have if he was available to play. And yesterday in the fourth quarter, playing with four fouls, defensively was tremendous. And playing with four fouls is not easy because you have to be very, very diligent in where you're putting your arms, where you're putting your feet, and you have to be very cautious. He was. And he pulled down, I swear, like seven or eight straight rebounds. Every loose ball was getting sucked in by Micah Potter. Every rebound, whether it was short and just grazing the rim or if it was going high off the back of the rim, he was pulling down. And a big reason why the Badgers were able to close is because Indiana didn't get multiple shot opportunities. They just didn't. They got one heave, and Micah Potter sucked it up just like that. Every player yesterday, Aleem Ford, Nate Reavers, Demetric Trice, Brad Davison, Micah Potter, all had moments. All had moments. To kind of put a cap on the Wisconsin talk, I I want to refer back to a conversation I had with Zach Heilprin. He's our Badger guy from the zone. It's about a year ago. And I asked him, I said, Zach, what do you think is more important to the players? You think it's the regular season title or the title in the Big Ten tournament? And he said, oh, regular season title, and it's not close. It's not close. Really? 
Really? And yeah, you can hang the banner. You, and, and the regular season, it's a culmination of months and months and months of work. You can get hot and win the Big Ten tournament. This is a really meaningful accomplishment for this Badgers team. And I know they're only 21 and 10. I, I know they're barely better than two wins to every one loss. And I don't think this is the best Wisconsin team we've seen in the last even two or three years. But they figured a way, they figured out how to win. You don't always need to be the best team. You just need to figure out how to win. And Wisconsin did that, and Greg Gard was such a huge reason. Fighting through adversity and consistently getting better and making steps to becoming a better basketball team. Right? Day one, not a finished product. This was a growing process all year long, and it culminated in eight straight wins to finish the regular season and a share of the Big Ten title. When we come back, I want to talk Bucks basketball because this has been kind of a weekend of hoops. We're going to talk local hoops coming up in about 20 minutes first. The Bucks rough weekend, and I say that kind of in air quotes because the Bucks really don't have rough stretches. I think they've lost three in a row, two in a row, two in a row, excuse me. Yeah, a rough stretch. Yeah, we're a little spoiled. Let's talk Bucks coming up next. The Wisco Sports Show rolls on, presented by Played Against Sports, right here on WKTY. Wisco Sports Show rolls on here on WKTY. My name is Grant Bills. I am your host. Thanks for being here. Thanks for hanging out. Hope your week is off to a good start. We're talking hoops. We've already hit the Badgers. I think the story of the week by far, winning eight straight games to close the regular season and win a share of the Big Ten title. We are going to talk about one of the biggest high school basketball matchups, uh, dare I say it, this century. That's coming up on Thursday, Central and on Alaska matching up. I'll give you some details and a couple of thoughts before we say goodbye for tonight. Bucks also play the Nuggets tonight, 8 o'clock tip, so staying up a little late. Let's talk about those Bucks because they had, I don't know, if, if, if the Bucks can have a rough weekend, and the Bucks, of course, what, 53-11 and 11 right now? If a 53-11 and 11 team can have a bad weekend, the Bucks figured out a way to do it, right? They lost Friday night to the Lakers. And then they lost yesterday to the Suns. And I don't even want to talk about that game very much because if you watched it, yeah, it's, that was unlike any basketball game I've ever seen. The way that it started and even continued through the second and third quarter, I've never seen a team as mediocre as Phoenix shoot the ball like they did. I want to talk more about Friday night and then more big picture. They ended up losing to the Los Angeles Lakers 113-103. to and that just, that sucked. I watched the first half at my house. I enjoyed it. And then uh, me and a couple of roommates went downtown and enjoyed the rest there. And the end of the game is foggy because the Bucks got our hopes up and then all of a sudden uh, lost. And I had to have just a couple too many drinks. So that's the reason why the end of the game is foggy. And that's just fine. The Bucks ended up losing. And it was a great even game. Played even on both sides. Except for an 18-point run L.A. went on in the third quarter. Yes, an 18 to nothing run. I've talked extensively on this show about how the third quarter is most indicative of success because the third quarter shows that teams are making adjustments, that they're responding to their coach and responding to the opposition, right? And they've adjusted and they've come out and they execute. The Bucks are typically the team doing the damage in the third quarter. That script was flipped on Friday night. And much like most other NBA games, the team that comes out and adjusts and adapts and pours it on in the third quarter is the team that is going to win. The Bucs were without George Hill, and I think they could have used George Hill during that 18-point run because it's just another option. When the offense isn't scoring, when nobody's shot is falling, and Giannis can't get to the rim and can't get to the free throw line, and Chris Middleton's shot might not be falling, and Eric Bledsoe's doing nothing for you, then Bud can say, okay, well, let's try George Hill. And it's just another option. So I think on a night 
uh, like Friday and the Lakers go on an 18 nothing run, you need as many options as possible. I think George Hill could have been useful. More often than not, I think Eric Bledsoe could have been useful. Eric Bledsoe played uh, just not well enough, and I want to talk about that in a minute or two. The big story is Giannis's injury. It looked like he might have actually really messed his knee up, and thankfully that's not the case. At least that's not what we're being told. Giannis has a knee capsule injury, which I had to read a lot about because I thought I had a pretty good knowledge of the various knee injuries one can sustain playing basketball or football. This one is new to me, and I'm obviously not a doctor yet, much to your surprise, I'm sure. Isolated capsule injuries, meaning just the knee capsule and not a a tendon or, or another portion of the knee. Isolated capsule injuries are really, really uncommon. They're not something we see a lot. There is a little bit of precedent. Jimmy Butler sustained one of these injuries. Rudy Gay most recently sustained one of these injuries. And because the sample size of capsule injuries, specifically isolated capsule injuries, they're rather few and far between. It's a small sample size, so I don't want to go off any precedent. The most recent one is Rudy Gay, and he missed one game. Well, Giannis is already going to miss more than that, so I think that's precedent we can throw out the window. I think the Bucks will be more cautious uh, than than aggressive when trying to get Giannis back to the floor just because they're 53-11. and If Giannis gets hurt, who cares how many games you win? Who cares what your seat is? Because you're done. You're toast. You have no chance. So getting Giannis back remains paramount. He's not going to play tonight. Bucks uh, Nuggets, 8 o'clock tip here on WKTY. I want to go back to Eric Bledsoe and back to the Lakers game and what went wrong. And the Bucks have only lost 11 times this year. And by and large, they have lost for one specific reason. The Bucks are so good and they win so many games because they have so many fail-safes, which is really the theme of today's NBA. A team is as, only as good as its second player. And sometimes third player, which is the the emphasis is put on, well, who's your third guy? What's your big three? That's been the theme since, well, the Boston Celtics in 2008 and then LeBron James and the Miami Heat. And then, of course, the Warriors had their big three, which became a big four. The big three is the goal of every team. You're only as good as your second and third best player because you need to have multiple options. You need to have fail-safes in the case that your first best player, your MVP, doesn't show up. And the Bucs have so many fail-safes, which is why they win so many games. They're at 53-11. and 11. Giannis is pretty much a lock for 30 points, 15 rebounds. There are a couple outliers this year, but by and large, I'd say about 90% of the games, he's, he's a lock for 27-ish points, 15 rebounds, and 5 or 6 assists. But in the occasion that Giannis doesn't show up or he is injured, then you have Chris Middleton, who's having the best year of his career and was an all-star this year. Then you have Brook Lopez to pick up the slack from there and Eric Bledsoe. Now, Lopez and Eric Bledsoe are kind of interchangeable. I don't think one is better than the other, but they do have different skill sets, and that's what I want to talk about in a moment. And then George Hill and Dante DiVincenzo can pick up the slack from the bench. Right? Well, Middleton's not great. Well, you can expect probably 12 to 15 points from either George Hill or Dante DiVincenzo, and who knows, just maybe Ursan can give you something, or maybe Robin Lopez can pitch in six points, a three-pointer here or there, and Marvin Williams has been pretty good too. But they have a couple of guys off the bench that you don't necessarily count on, but you can count on one of them contributing something. So Giannis, Middleton, Lopez, Bledsoe, and then a couple scores from the bench too. The Bucks have a backup for their backup for their backup. They have a lot of fail-safes, which is why they win so many games. Eric Bledsoe is the unique player. I think his value and his importance lies in his ability to be instant offense. And I say instant offense deliberately. Instant offense. Eric Bledsoe and his skill set is most valuable and most needed when the Bucks' offense goes sour. 
when Giannis can't score and Chris Middleton can't find a shot and Brooke Lopez can't get open, well, now it's Eric Bledsoe time because he can make something out of nothing. He can he can be that spark plug. He can jump the offense into, well, being alive if need be. He's instant offense. And like instant oatmeal, you really only need it in a pinch, right? If I have two hours to make breakfast and I have a, a, a big bowl of bananas and pancake batter and I got eggs, well, I'm not making instant oatmeal because I have other options. I have time. If the offense is clicking, they don't really need Eric Bledsoe. He certainly is nice, but you don't need him. When they needed Bledsoe was that 18-point run the Lakers went on in the third quarter. When Giannis couldn't get going and Middleton couldn't get going, and you're like, this is where we need Eric Bledsoe. This is the, to use the breakfast analogy, we're out of eggs, we're out of milk, we're out of pancake batter, we, don't, we have no syrup, no butter, we're screwed, and we got five minutes to go to work. Well, damn, pull out the instant oatmeal. There you go. That's Eric Bledsoe to this Bucks team. When the Lakers are on an 18 to nothing run, he needs to be the guy that creates a couple buckets out of nowhere, and he didn't. And Eric Bledsoe is a great player, and he's a useful point guard, and he'll give you points, he'll give you assists, he'll give you dumb turnovers too, and his turnovers have been on the rise the last 20 games. He's averaging about a, a whole extra turnover per game, which in a, in a small sample size, I don't know how many turnovers, let's see. Eric Bledsoe against the Lakers, if you look at the game, well, I don't care. Who cares? I don't care how many, but we're not talking about turnovers. We're talking about instant offense. <laughs> and they needed it on that 18 to nothing run. I don't want to go down a wormhole with stats. But Eric Bledsoe is a nice player. He'll score and he'll give you passes. And he's a great compliment to the other four players in the starting lineup. But where he is most useful is when the Bucs are the most desperate. When the Lakers are on a 14 to nothing run. They needed him bad. They didn't get him. A big reason why they lost. Bucks are in Denver tonight. It's, it's really easy to discard that Suns loss yesterday. Don't get me wrong. It's like, well, it's the Suns. They got unlucky. Well, yeah, Giannis could be out for a week, though. And they're in Denver, which is a terribly difficult place to lose. And they got Boston later this week. So... Wins might be few and far between without Giannis, especially the way the schedule is about to play out. That Phoenix game would have been really, really nice to have yesterday. That's all I'm going to say. I want to continue the hoops talk when we come back. I think one of the biggest high school basketball games this century? Well, I don't know. I don't know the entire history of high school basketball in this state, but this is about as big as you can get it. On Alaska and Central, number one, number two, on Thursday, give you some details about the game, how I feel about it, and some details you need to know if you want to be there or if you want to watch or listen, and you should absolutely be tuned in or be present at this game because it's going to be amazing. I'll tell you more coming up next. Final segment of the Wisco Sports Show coming up here on WKTY. Final segment of the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. My name is Grant Bills. Thanks for hanging out. Catch up on everything you missed from today's show and all of our shows. Just go to WKTYsports.com. Click on podcasts. You can also find them on our mobile app. Uh, I've just, I've been cruising through Twitter on commercial breaks. And it's just a concerning percentage of these tweets have to do with coronavirus. I, I Look, we're not going to talk about how coronavirus, like, I know the NBA is limiting access or or making ideas to limit access for fans, for media, all that stuff. It's not anything I want to talk about because I know nothing about the field of medicine or <laughs> contagious diseases. Uh, getting to be a, a little bit of a level of concerning. Hopefully a, a delay that can be pushed off a little while if the disease ever does show up in the Midwest, at least past Thursday, because that's when I, I might be more excited about this game than I am about March Madness, than I am about the NBA playoffs. That is the rematch. 
between Lacrosse Central and Onalaska. And it was a really good weekend for for all of our local teams, the Aquinas girls. I mean, sorry to Holman and Menominee. I know Menominee's not really in our area, but they're close enough. Like, Holman, you ran into a really good team in Onalaska. Menominee ran into a really good team in Central. Like, that's that's the end of that story. That's about as complicated as it is. And I know I've gotten texts from a couple people saying, great, you need to talk about the Aquinas girls more. And I'm like, yeah, yeah they're amazing. I recognize that. I love watching them. What do you want me to say? That they're going to win every game on their way to state by 20 points? Because that's probably what's going to happen. Because they're really, really good. They're really, they're really good. I, I don't know what to tell you about the Aquinas girls. I think the, I think the bookie's kind of out on that team. Uh, Drew Kelly, the voice of local sports here on WKTY. I, I've been talking with him a lot recently about kind of the, the, the playoff picture and how Anna and Central and Aquinas and, and our other local teams are going to navigate their way maybe to state here in the coming weeks. And we've been kind of tiptoeing around the idea like, well, if Central and Anna can get back, you know, can they both win two games, you know, if they're lucky enough to get to the rematch? And the whole time I'm like, we're so full of crap. These two teams are so much better than everyone else. And there was no point where it was ever in doubt that these two teams were going to match up one more time because that's been how it's gone the last few years. The last few years. So that game is going to be Thursday night at Mitchell Hall on the campus of UWL. And if any of you were at the Lacrosse Central um, Minnehaha Academy game a couple of weeks ago. That was on, what, February 2nd, I believe. You know how awesome of a venue that is for a basketball game. It was electric. It was awesome. And I hope it's just as full, just as rowdy this time around Thursday night. You can watch and listen, of course, on WKTY. And you can watch our video stream, thanks to Great Rivers Orthodontics and Firefighters Credit Union at WKTYsports.com and on our mobile app. Trying to figure out who I think is going to win this game. And we're not going to pick. I'm not going to pick. Like, it's high school sports. And you don't care about my pick, my opinion anyways. Johnny Davis has been incredible. And he was incredible this last week, even though he was in foul trouble on Saturday night. Central has almost needed him, like, too much. Like, Todd Fergett has not been afraid to just turn the reins over to Johnny and let him do his thing. Which I think at times is 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 a good strategy. But when you're going up against really elite, balanced, defensive teams like on Alaska, you're going to need more than Johnny Davis. You might not need a lot more, but you're going to need a couple of buckets from Jordan Davis, a couple buckets from Terrence Thompson. They were able to get Terrence Thompson the ball and get him going on Saturday. But they've been a little bit relying on Johnny Davis to the point where you're almost like, eh, that might, might be a bit too much. On Alaska, meanwhile, hasn't really relied on any one player. They don't rely on any one player. They rely on a performance. They need one guy on Thursday to have a great game. That's all they need. I don't know who that will be. The beauty of on Alaska is that it could be any number of players, whereas Central, you're looking at, at two or three guys to maybe have a huge game, and that's it. On Alaska, there's potential for a couple of more guys. I keep waiting for Terrell Stutley to have a, a massive game. I don't know if that's really his game. He's not afraid to be passive. He's not afraid to distribute and pass out of a double team. There is a play. Terrell Stutley does this better than any high school basketball player I've ever watched, where he gets the ball in the corner, drives baseline towards the block, and when he's met with the double team, strong arms a pass along the baseline into the weak side corner for a wide open three. Whether it's Sam Kick or Carson Ahrens or Dakota Mantle or whoever's chilling on the other side, Terrell Stutley has this uncanny ability to get them a shot every single time. He's just as good of a distributor as he actually is a scorer around the paint. I'm thinking Carson Ahrens might be the guy to watch on Thursday night. I'm thinking Carson Ahrens might be the guy. And, 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 and very similar to Johnny Davis, I don't think there's a moment, at least in the last week or two, that's been too big for Carson Ahrens. He's been, he's been hooping. No shot has been too deep. No shot has been too contested. 
He's been taking and making just about every shot attempt. I'd put my money on him for a huge performance. Obviously, I'm not going to bet. That would be massively inappropriate because this is a high school game. But I'd put, I'd put my money on Carson Arts to absolutely show out this Thursday based on what I've seen. And I think Dakota Mantle, the senior point guard, is really, really important to this Hilltopper team as well. I think he provides what Noah Parcher and David Hayden were last year for Lacrosse Central. They're in the right place at the right time. They know their role. They'll hit a big shot, although they won't try to take over a game. And Dakota Mantle is absolute nails at the free throw line. And in close games, you saw it in the Minnehaha Academy game. You saw it in the second Central on a game. Free throws decide these close games, and it's not a foregone conclusion. Heck, free throws are never a foregone conclusion to any level, but especially not at high school, and Dakota Mantle is a weapon that Onalaska has at their disposal when it comes to trying to make progress at the free throw line at the end of the game. Victor Desmond is an, is an interesting name to watch, too. He almost had a wild putback dunk. It just rolled in and out on Friday night. He's a player to watch as well. I'm, I'm thinking we're going to see a show from Carson Arns on Thursday night, and I hope for his sake I'm not jinxing it. But that's what I'm hoping for. That's what I'm expecting. And I'm expecting certainly an amazing game from both of these teams as only one can advance. Super, super exciting. We're going to continue to preview that game as well as the Aquinas girls run to the state tournament. We're going to talk to Drew Kelly tomorrow and probably once more throughout the week as we get ready, we get more details about that game. Until then, enjoy the Bucks game tonight. They play the Nuggets at 9 p.m. or 8 p.m. Thank God, not a West Coast game, just 8 p.m. I'll be up late anyways. Enjoy the game. We'll talk about it tomorrow. Talk to you then.